Welcome to See the Light of Day podcast. I am Andrea Lachey. We are in Lent season, and I wanted to know how the pandemic is affecting the church. So today, I invited Pastor Jakari Davis as our guest to discuss the state of the church right now. Thank you, Andrea, and uh, I'm very happy to be here. First off, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, uh, as you mentioned, uh, my name is Jakari Davis. I am privileged to pastor the Bella Vista Missionary Baptist Church here in Houston, Texas. Uh, I'm in my seventh year of pastoring, and um, the congregation is a very historic church uh, here in the city of Houston. Uh, I am the successor of a uh, very beloved and historic pastor here in the uh, the city and the community, uh, the Reverend Dr. Calvin J. Abraham. And um, it's a great place with a, a lot of great and loving people. And uh, it's one of the privileges of my life uh, to to serve this, this wonderful congregation. Uh, I am the husband of Danielle. I am the father of uh, two beloved daughters, uh, Devin Davis and Darian Davis. And a three-week-old son, uh, Jamison Davis. So um, our house is is a pretty lively one, a pretty exciting one right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. All that going on, how are you right now as a pastor? As a pastor right now, uh, I'm kind of, you know, in the, in the same shoes as everyone else. Um, just making the, the day-by-day adjustments to life. I know we're coming up, you know, uh, on a year, uh, with this uh, pandemic, um, well, you know, I, I say a year, relatively speaking, uh, when things really just begin to kind of, um, you know, shut down or go on lockdown here in the uh, the city of Houston. So uh, coming up on a year with that, um, you know, it's still um, a, a lot of adjustments that have had to been made and um, a lot of things that happen within, you know, the household that kind of spill over into uh, the pastoral responsibilities. So um, you know, how I am as a pastor, I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a, uh, the, the old adage, you know, you're kind of like a duck on water, you know, you, you're kind of trying to uh, remain calm on the surface, you know, because you don't want your anxiety uh, and your concerns and worries to kind of, you know, spill over. You don't want to become uh, contagious to your, your leadership and your congregation in that way. Uh, you kind of want to be the immune system uh, for all of the anxiety uh, that's already present, you know, within the congregational system. Uh, but underneath the surface, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, kicking and uh, <laughs> the wheels are spinning, uh, just like everybody else, just trying to figure out how do we sustain and maintain ourselves uh, as a church and as a congregation during this season. Um, and what the life of the church, what the life of the ministry is going to look like um, post this season. So um, it's a very, um, it's, it's, a, it's a time of a, where, where a lot of critical thinking uh, is, is really taking place and a lot of strategic planning. So with the winter storm that just happened, how was that experience? That was interesting. Uh, <laughs> so our, our son was born on the 12th of February. 
the the storm, the the Arctic blast hit. Um, I believe that uh, that Monday, that Sunday, or that Monday. Um, so, man, li little man has had it rough these these <laughs> those first couple of <laughs> those first couple of weeks of life. You know, already born into a pandemic, so that was interesting. But you know, leaving the hospital, they discharged us uh, on that Saturday because they wanted to um, to make sure that uh, we got home. No, my mistake. They discharged us on that Sunday. They wanted to make sure that we got home uh, to, um, you know, to get ahead of the storm. But we were only at home for a day uh, before the power went out. And we thought about toughing it out. But, you know, with the new baby at home and we didn't know how how much the temperatures were going to drop, which in hindsight, that turned out to be the best decision, you know, because we heard reports of uh, people in their homes, you know, they're trying to keep warm in a in a house that's uh, 50, 60 degrees. And so we were blessed to be able to get out of the house, uh, find a hotel that wasn't completely booked yet. And we were able to weather out the majority uh, of the Arctic blast there um, with with our daughters. And um, as as um, uh, and I use this term loosely, loosely as fate would have it, um, the the power went out in the hotel that we were staying in. But wow. the the day that the power went out at the hotel was the day that our power came back on at the house. So <laughs> we were able to go back home, and uh, we were blessed. We we didn't experience any damage, um, as most uh, citizens did. A lot of citizens did. Um, I've heard even reports from members in our congregation, some of their water just got turned back on this week. Um, so it, um, it was, it was, it was a crazy weekend. It was a crazy couple of days and just that whirlwind of, you know, having a new baby and then leaving the house, going home for a day, then going back to the hospital, then going, it was a whole lot, Andrea. So, <laughs> you know, I, um, I, um, I I really had to do my best to keep my sanity so so my wife wouldn't lose hers. So it's, it was it was it was an interesting couple of days. Wow, that is a lot. And then yeah. with the pandemic, it it doesn't make it any better at all. Yeah, not at all. That that did not help. And um, I I think for um, a great majority, you know, of of the the citizens of the city. Um, you, you kind of had to remind yourself that there was still a pandemic in place, you know, once, you know, once all of this was over, I, I think some people um, just kind of in the, you know, the hustle and bustle and the scurrying around of everything that was happening. Um, we, um, it, it just kind of escaped us. Oh, yeah, you know, we still got a, a worldwide pandemic that's, you know, that's taking people out by the thousands that we still got to uh, guard against as well. So, yeah, it was it was kind of um, just just a compounded issue that, that we have to deal with, had to deal with. So what are some of the pros and the cons of COVID-19 on the church right now? Some of the pros um, is that it has definitely uh, refocused or realigned the church to really getting back to ministry that is Christ centered and people focused. I think for um, a, a long time, uh, particularly I, I would say within the last 
25 or 30 years, uh, the church was kind of going in a different direction. And I, and I speak about the church uh, in general. Uh, we were kind of just going in a different direction in terms of, you know, what our focus was on. And I, I, don't, I don't make this, you know, specific to every church, but I'm, I'm just speaking generally. Um, but I think that this pandemic has really gotten us back to really focusing on the things that matter. Um, you know, not so much of the, you know, again, it's gotten us away from some of the politics and some of just the the day to day um, things that really have nothing to do at the end of the day with, you know, with ministry and with helping people and with exalting um, Christ. But this pandemic has really stripped away a lot of the uh, the fat of ministry, if you will. It's kind of cut through a lot of the um, just a lot of the extra that we did that not, not all of it were bad, was bad things, but it has really shown us what at the end of the day, the church is really about. And that is connecting people with Christ, but also being the hands and the feet of Jesus, uh, by offering ministry that is, that is holistic to people in, uh, meeting them where they are. Um, some of the cons of the pandemic, obviously, is that the worship environment or the church space, if you will, the, 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 it's really communally driven. Uh, it's, it's, it's a real uh, communal centered um, uh, organism. And so the pandemic has taken away from us that opportunity to really just express and engage in community the way that we are accustomed to doing that. And that's really been difficult. Uh, but on the same token, it has also exposed some areas, and I can speak for our congregation, it's, it's exposed some areas that perhaps we were not as strong in, that we need to sure up in, and also challenged us in some ways where we could try to create that communal space in ways outside of just the, the Sunday morning experience. Um, so I, I would say that's definitely been uh, the biggest con uh, with it, uh, not really just having the opportunity to engage with uh, the people. Uh, it's, you know, uh, my, my, uh, my grandfather who uh, we just, um, he, he just passed uh, last week and we just uh, funeralized him this past weekend. Uh, but he would always tell me that, um, you know, when, when you deal with, uh, when, when you pastor a church, you're in the people business. And to not be able to engage and interact with people um, in the way that we normally do. You know, there's only so much you can do uh, over Zoom. There's only so much you can do, you know, with, with the virtual um, before it just kind of becomes monotonous and you lose that kind of uh, just human and come in touch with people. So um, I would say that's definitely been the biggest con. Sorry to hear about your grandfather's um, passing. Right now, with with the pandemic going on, with so many people going to funerals either virtually or in person, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, funerals have you done during this pandemic? Yeah, um, it's definitely been a a, a lot. And um, funerals done during this pandemic, Andrea, it's been at least twenty. It's been at least twenty, and um, unfortunately. Um, I would say a little less than half of those were COVID related. 
So it was, uh, it's, it's been a very tough season. Uh, that, that's been, I would say, my biggest pastoral gripe and my biggest pastoral pain in this season. Because, you know, naturally, um, the, the church has had to make some adjustments in how uh, we offer pastoral care uh, during this time. But also, even the, uh, the funeral home business, you know, they, they have really strict rules and regulations and guidelines in place for how they handle funeral services. So uh, it's, been, it's been very difficult to handle those situations that are so sensitive. And um, especially, you know, those members in our church, it's been very hard dealing with that because one thing that our church does really well is that we really uh, wrap our arms around people. We're intentional about caring about people uh, not just, you know, when death happens, but in, in, in every phase of life, but especially uh, when, you know, we lose loved ones, when we lose members, our church is very, very good. We are very intentional about coming together and really walking with people during those during those seasons when, when that happens. And for us not to be able to do that has been very, very hard. And then, you know, to say goodbye to those people, many who were very strong pillars of our church who had been with our churches for who had been with our, our congregation for decades and to sometimes you know have to say goodbye to them in very unceremonious uh, ways uh, not to be able to celebrate their life and their contribution to our church in the way that we felt and their families felt that they should be celebrated um, that has been very hard that has been very painful and a very difficult adjustment to make. Have most of the funerals been gravesite funerals or do you limit how many people can come into the church? The majority of them, um, believe it or not, have, have been at the funeral homes, uh, the, the chapels at the funeral homes, um, because uh, again, early on in the pandemic, many of the funeral homes were not even, um, you know, bringing the, the remains of, of those who had passed to the churches. Uh, because they were trying to limit contact tracing as much as possible. Um, so many of them took place at the funeral homes. And then, you know, once regulations started to become a little more uh, relaxed, uh, the ones that we did have, um, most of the time, they, they had to be graveside, unfortunately, because our church was undergoing a, a renovation process. So we were not able to have them in the sanctuary at the time. And then our multipurpose space, it was just not not large enough to accommodate, um, you know, the amount of people, even with social distancing, that that we wanted to accommodate. So, yeah, they were either held at the um, at the in the chapels at the funeral home, or we just had to do graveside services. So, with the local and federal regulations being so hard right now, um, how is the church coping with that? Uh, well, we're doing our best to abide by it. You know, our our goal and our aim is we want as we want our members to remain as safe as possible. Um, and I do my best, you know, from, from my pastoral perch to try to uh, ensure that our uh, membership, you know, follows those, those guidelines, those CDC guidelines, those rules and regulations um, that the, uh, the city has enforced. And I emphasize the city, <laughs> And, and our mayor, uh, because, you know, I, I understand that, 
you know, what we do, our governance at the local level oftentimes is not in agreement or in alignment uh, with our governance at the uh, at the state and at the federal level. Uh, and so I, I, I do my best to uh, be responsible in, in trying to inform our members on what it is that we need to do um, to obey the science, to listen to the science, uh, to listen to the medical experts, uh, but also to use our common sense. And I recognize that, you know, my pastoral voice has a lot of influence with our members, and I try to use that responsibly with our people. How do you see the church post-pandemic? I am hopeful. I, I, I'm hopeful about the church po post-pandemic. There are some concerns. Uh, I'll admit that. But for the most part, I'm very hopeful. Um, my concern is, the, of course, the, the virtual aspect. And although that's a concern, um, I also concede as a pastor that that's also the context uh, that we're living in, in terms of the society. You know, most of life, unfortunately, it's not that I agree with it, but most of life, unfortunately, is, you know, connected in some way to, 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 to some virtual aspect of the culture. So that, that's not going anywhere. But as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, the, the church, the strength of the church, in my opinion, has always been the corporate and communal aspect, both spiritually and socially. Um, and so my, my concern is there, you know, are, are, the, are the people going to come back? Um, you know, are they going to be engaged as they once were? Are they going to be committed as they once were? And so our job and our responsibility and task, and task right now as leaders um, is trying to ensure, okay, since we know that this virtual aspect is not going anywhere, what do we need to do to minister to people effectively and to continue to keep them connected, um, not just with the worship aspect, but also with the ministry aspect of what we're, we're doing as a church. What do we need to do? What new things do we need to implement? What shifts do we need to make in, in terms you know, our, of our staff and uh, our leadership positions? What do we need to do to keep this virtual space connected while also making the adjustments post-pandemic to what we're gonna look like physically and in person? So uh, when I say I'm hopeful in that regard, I, I'm hopeful about, again, you know, the church really understanding that a lot of the little petty and political things that used to take place within the life of the church, that we come to see that at the end of the day, we got to keep the main thing the main thing. And I think that we're going to come back with a different type of focus. I think that we're going to come back with a different type of ministry agenda. I think that we're really going to get back to focusing on people, that we're really going to get back to focusing on really connecting people with the spiritual disciplines and, and with the um, with uh, co connecting with Christ in a very real way and, you know, getting away from all of this, you know, hero worship and, you know, just all of all of the bells and whistles. Um, not to say that none of, you know, none of that, some, some of that has its place but really getting back to keeping the main thing, the main thing. And so I'm very, very hopeful. I think the church has an exciting and a bright future if we handle this next dispensation of church life the correct way. With the virtual church, have you been able to reach more people, you feel? I feel we have. I, I think that's been one of the positives. The virtual aspect, uh, it gives you a reach. 
and an extension of ministry that um, you would not normally have just with your your physical and your corporate gathering uh, being your primary your primary space for worship. Um, now, you know, for our congregation in particular, we always had a a streaming aspect of of worship, but the the difference is now with the pandemic is. You know, prior to the pandemic, our streaming was we were pretty much just inviting you in to what we were already doing. So, you know, you were uh, kind of just a peripheral part of, of what was going on, you know, in, in, with, in within the life of the church. But now, you know, since the pandemic has has transpired, the virtual platform has become the church. It has become the sanctuary. So there's more of a direct, you know, communication. There's more of a, uh, you know, a, a, a direct, uh, you know, line where we're trying to really connect with you on a very personal level. And so I, I think that's something that we need to maintain and something that we need to keep because it has definitely allowed us to reach more people. It has extended our reach beyond our normal congregation. And um, that definitely has its benefits. And I think it helps us to really, um be more uh, effective in, you know, the, the, the great commission of, of really taking the gospel to, to all places and to all spaces. So with reaching more people, are you actually able to see if people are actually coming to Christ and being saved or are they just watching the sermons? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, uh, we, we, we do our best to track that each week. Uh, we look at the numbers, but we also, um, of course, you know, like we, we would do with, with a, uh, a physical service, you know, we, we always give a commitment or we give an appeal for it, a commitment rather. And we had to go back and rework some things on our website to uh, make that process of our uh, worship service uh, more uh, inviting and more palatable for potential new members. Um, we had to go back and update and upgrade our new member intake process, uh, how we uh, intake new members, how we disciple them, how we get them acclimated into the life and ministry of our church. All of that was physical, and we had to transition that to a digital space. And so that has been uh, one of the profitable things that we're going to keep and it's been very helpful um and we've had several members that we fellowshiped uh digitally so it's it's been a plus with the governor changing the um restrictions can you please explain to people the difference between fear and danger because some people don't want to wear the mask because they feel as if they're not having faith in god so can you please um explain the difference in um, between the two sure um you know we, and, and i've and i've heard people ask and uh, i've heard even other conversations you know in, in some some churches around the country surrounding that um you know when, when we talk about fear as it relates to faith i think um a, a, a big part of that has come as a consequence of you know this kind of um, false piety uh, that we have kind of built into Christianity and, and, and built into religion where, you know, we feel as though in order for us to have true faith, in order for us to have strong faith, in order for us to have real faith, 
that there that means that there has to be the absence of any fear uh, that we have to kind of abandon you know any kind of sense or semblance of you know to, to, of, of fear and that god is just going to take care of us in the end i i think that is a a misleading representation of faith and so if, if i can help people understand anything about that in regards to to wearing the mask um I, I guess the best example that i could use is is this you know you you have to i i look at the example of jesus you know we're, we're in the lenten season and you know that there's really a focus around you know the crucifixion and the resurrection of jesus and the bible says in the book of hebrews that when jesus was you know in the flesh that he was a man who was tempted in all points just like we were but yet he was without sin but what that verse is really saying is that everything that we felt and that we feel jesus feel jesus felt at one point so if we have fear that means at some point jesus felt fear in his life and the example that i can give to that is you know jesus in the garden of gethsemane when he's praying you know, God, if there's another way for redemption to take place uh, with humanity, if there's another way outside of this cross, another way outside of this crucifixion, you know, please, you know, let, let's explore that option. Let, let, let this cup pass. But he, you know, in, in a moment of faith, he says, nevertheless, at, at thy word, um, you know, I'll, I'll keep moving forward. But I, I think just using that example, it helps people to understand that just because you've experienced fear, it doesn't mean you do not have faith. Faith is using your common sense <laughs> and using the wisdom, you know, that God has given to you and applying it to the circumstances of your life and believing and trusting God that God is going to get you through that situation, you know. You can have faith, and I know some people take it to the extreme, but I think it's irresponsible. Uh, you can have faith when you get sick and still take your medicine. You know, you can have faith in a pandemic and still wear a mask. It doesn't mean that you don't trust in God. It means that you trust the wisdom that God has given to doctors. It means that you trust the wisdom that God has given to scientists. You trust the wisdom that God has gifted to these people to help you to endure that season in your life that is testing your faith so that you can come out on the other side of it prayerfully uh, with a better testimony. So um, you have to allow your, your faith to inform your moments of fear, but you also you know, have to understand that uh, all fear is not unhealthy fear. You know, Sometimes uh, fear is given to us to help us better <laughs> use the wisdom that we have to help us make better informed decisions. Do you think people have become more religious or spiritual during this pandemic? Certainly. Um, I, I, and well, let, let, let me say this. I, I, I believe it could go either way because there have been some people who their faith, it has, it, you know, it has led them to want to become closer to God. And because, you know, the inevitability of, of death has kind of, you know, really hit them in the face. They've really been confronted with that, that, you know, life can, can, can be snatched away from you at any moment. And that pandemic has made them real, you know, either it, it has made that, that reality real for them, either directly or indirectly. So it has definitely drawn some people 
to seek out a more uh, intimate relationship with God and a more serious relationship with Christ. On the other hand, there have been some people who have had, you know, what we call in the, the, the theological circles, moments of theodicy, uh, where they are struggling with their faith. You know, if God is good, if God is real, if God is present in the, uh, in the goings on in the world, then how can God permit something like this to happen? You know, how can God allow the death of two million plus people worldwide to happen at a virus that's, you know, undetectable to the human eye? Um, how, how can God permit something like this to happen? And so a lot of people have found themselves struggling but if, if I were to just give my opinion, I, I think that more people have been drawn to faith than have been drawn away. So this week, the trial for the officer accused of killing Joy Floyd begins. Mm -hmm. With all protests and movements happening right now, what is the role of the church in social injustice right now? I believe, Andrea, that the church should be at the forefront of this. And again, I, I say this from, from my pastoral perch as a young, a young pastor and a young person who is trying to engage and co co connect millennials and, and Gen Xers and Gen Zers uh, to the church. They are very concerned about the church and how the church responds to social justice. Now I say that um, as a pastor, but I also say it from even as a Christian and from my, my biblical perspective and how I understand and really concerned about people who are living out on the margins, the widows and the orphans and those who have been negatively impacted and wronged by um, things that happen in the society. I believe that the church, if the church is going to have an effective witness, if the church is going to have a strong evangelistic witness, trying to connect people to the church in the future, they are going to have to be at the forefront of this. Think about it historically. In the civil rights movement, and even prior to the civil rights movement, the church was always the epicenter. The church was always at the forefront of leading those particular movements and leading the social change. People have to know, and, and, and a lot of those uh, movements, even as I heard one individual say about the civil rights movement, it moved because the church was at the forefront of it. It moved from being a political movement to all, almost becoming a spiritual movement. And when the church is at the head of that, the spirit becomes active and the spirit becomes involved in the life of that movement. And I believe that that's when God really begins to move and in the, in the hearts and in the spirits of people. We just can't leave it up to the politicians. They have their part and we need to partner with them. I'm not saying that we need to leave them out, but I think that because I'm a pastor, because I'm a preacher and because I have a biblical focus, that what changes the hearts and the minds of people it's not just policies and politics, but you need the spirit of God in that. And if the spirit of God is not involved in that, if the church, who is not the, 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 um, the curator and the purveyor of the spirit of God, the voice of the spirit of God, if we're not at the forefront of that, then we're going to be doing not just our congregation a disservice, 
but we're also doing doing our communities and our citizens, those who are marginalized in the society, we're doing them a disservice as well. Why isn't the church more in the forefront right now instead of Black Lives Matters? What is your opinion on that? Yeah, my opinion on that, um, you know, that, that could be for a, a couple of reasons. You have some churches, quite honestly, who are just not plugged in. You know, they they have not a clue, and I don't know how, but they don't they don't have a clue to really um, they don't have their hand on the pulse. Let me say it that way. They don't have their hand on the pulse uh, uh, and uh, and on the heartbeat of what their members are experiencing Monday through Saturday outside of the worship space on Sunday. And when the life of your ministry and the life of your church is just centered around what you're doing on Sunday, um, then you're really missing out on an opportunity, I believe, to minister to your people holistically. So I think for some ministries, there's just a lack of focus or just a general disinterest there. For other churches, unfortunately, you know, they are not able to uh, speak out against these, you know, these different things and, you know, really protest to what's going on in the community and, and what what's happening politically. And because you have, you know, some churches who have who have in one way or another directly benefited, you know, from some of the things that have, you know, taken place politically or, you know, some of the things that have taken place governmentally and to keep themselves from being impacted uh, or having to deal with the consequences of that, you know, they just remain silent on it. And then um, I think you just have um, some churches who have a desire for, who have a desire to be involved, but just don't know how to go about doing it. They don't know how to do it the right way, or they don't know how to galvanize their people uh, to get them focused on how to do it. So, uh, there just may be a lack of um, training or education in regards to that uh, in terms of how to move forward with it. So I asked <clears throat> you that question because after the George Floyd killing, I had a lot of people call and ask me about Christianity and about what's going on in the church right now because they were confused. They were confused on um, the role of the church. And I had a lot of my black friends call and ask what they should do because they go to churches where the pastor is white. What can you tell them, I guess, biblically on that, which will help them um, know if they should leave their church or stay at the current church they're at? Yeah. Um, and there are people like that. I don't necessarily believe, you know, if you're a black person and you're attending a church with a white pastor, I don't necessarily believe that you have to leave your church um, in light of what's going on just because your pastor is white. I do believe if, if that is a major concern for you, you know, how do you reconcile your Christianity with what's going on in the society? I do believe that you should see what your pastor's views are about that and what your pastor has to say. And, you know, it, it's kind of left up to you as an individual in terms of whether that's something uh, you can accept or reject in terms of, you know, their commitment to addressing it or their apathy 
uh, and their indifference about it. And if it becomes too much of a burden for you in terms of, you know, they're not doing anything to address it, uh, they're not speaking out against it, um, you know, they're not doing anything from a ministry perspective to uh, kind of impact it and, and, and change the direction of what's happening. And maybe, you know, you need to pray about maybe finding another congregation. But again, that's a determination that you have to make within yourself. Uh, there are some pastors who are absolutely uh, for, you know, social justice and for social change, and they are white. And but I think that you have to take on that responsibility if they have not said anything about it. I think you are well within your rights as a member of the church to kind of find out what their views are and, and how they approach that, what they believe about it uh, theologically and how, you know, what, what kind of advice that they would give you as a Christian. Uh, now, if you're just asking me, if you would ask me my personal opinion, you know, you know, and, and again, as I mentioned, my theology and my understanding of Christianity, I don't understand how you can be a Christian and not address social issues because if you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, Jesus always addressed social issues. Part of the reason that Jesus was crucified, you know, I, I know we can, you know, get so evangelical that, well, yeah, he died for sin. We know Jesus died for sin, but he was killed for much more than that. You know, a part of the reason that he was killed because was because of how he uh, addressed things socially and how inclusive he was and how he challenged the systems and the social mores. And so I believe that that is an inherent part of our Christianity. And if we are to follow the footsteps of the Savior, then we have to be intentional about doing that as well. And the church that bears his name needs to be intentional about that, in my estimation. But that's a determination that you have to make within yourself. Uh, I would say, uh, because again, you know, I, I know that a lot of young Christians uh, have a lot of questions around that and why the church is not involved. And I believe that it's very legitimate. And I would say, do it respectfully. I would say do it respectfully, uh, respectfully rather, but ask, ask the questions, challenge your pastor, see where their hearts and their minds are and where their theology is around it. And then you make your decision and make a determination on whether or not that's good enough for you uh, to remain there and to continue to be a part of that ministry. So earlier you mentioned that one of the concerns about the virtual church was that um, if people would actually come back. So what do you tell people that are questioning church right now and want to leave the church? For people that are questioning it and want to lead it, leave it, I, I, my answer is always this. Um, you, you, you help the church more by being a part of it than you do standing outside of it. The, the church is not perfect. It never has been. Um, you know, we, we're the bride of Christ. We are not, a, we're, the church is not a good wife. <laughs> you know, we, we, got a, we got a perfect husband, but there are a lot of things that we need to work on. And the church is always in process. We're always growing. And I, I would say don't give up on the church um, because I believe that more good is happening than bad. But as I mentioned earlier, uh, or, or to your previous question, I think that what needs to happen is you just need to ask questions and assess what's going on in the life of your local church. And if you come to the point in place where you determine 
that that church is not for you, then I would just say prayerfully consider finding another church that may be more suited to, you know, your, your theological, uh, you know, uh, presuppositions uh, or whatever your, what you believe the Christian church should be doing. But by all means, I, I would just add, I would ask you and I would implore you not to leave it, pray for it, but then partner with it and then do your best to try to be the change that you want to see in it. In your Sunday sermon called Returns and Exchanges, you talked about spiritual maintenance with suicide, anxiety, domestic violence up right now and people losing hope. What encouragement do you have for people right now? And also what are some good scriptures for people to meditate on right now to help them maintain their spirituality? First of all, thank you for listening to the sermon. At least I know I have one person listening. So I appreciate that. But um, yeah, that, that, that sermon, I, I think, you know, it kind of ties in to um, a, a big part of your question. I, I think for us, and even beyond this season, I also mentioned earlier, I think a big part of us doing ministry in the future is really, we're really going to have to focus as a church on doing what Jesus did in his ministry before there was an organism or an organization known as the church. And when you look at the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus was really getting people connected to God through the spiritual disciplines. And when I talk about the spiritual disciplines, I'm talking about things like I talked in my sermon, like I talked about in my sermon, things like confession and repentance, um, disciplines like prayer and studying the word and meditating and um, fasting and, you know, uh, uh, living simple lives um, and even some of the corporate disciplines of, of, of worship and things of that nature. So I think that's really going to be a big part of the church moving forward. And uh, I think it's a part of the spiritual maintenance of, of people's lives right now who are living uh, in this pandemic. And um, you're right, you know, there, there's a lot of hopelessness out there. There's a lot of depression out there. There's a lot of anxiety. Uh, I was reading statistics, a lot of um, domestic violence. Um, uh, statistics, statistics have gone up. Uh, there have been a lot of family disruptions and family arguments because people have not had to occupy, um, you know, space and time uh, for, for this amount of time with family, you know, for, for some of them, you know, before. So this is a new reality and a lot of adjustments have, have had to be made. And um, so I, I would say to those people um, who may be struggling with, with feelings of hopelessness and, and, and are really uh, just in seasons of despair, I would say find you one or two, one or two uh, good spiritual disciplines to incorporate into your life to help you engage in some spiritual maintenance. And as I mentioned in the sermon, uh, the when, when I was talking about spiritual maintenance, it's, it's just like you would with your car. Your car runs a lot better when you maintain it. When you change the oil, when you rotate and balance the tires, uh, when you get a wheel alignment, when you do all of those things that you need to do to maintain your car, your car runs a whole lot smoother. And when you incorporate these spiritual disciplines into your life, it helps your spiritual life to run a lot smoother. And once you get that in place, it infiltrates and permeates 
into every other area of your life. So I would say find one or two of those spiritual disciplines to engage in prayer, meditation, reading the word, silence uh, and solitude, uh, finding ways to live a more simple life, fasting, what, eat, uh, any of those um, those spiritual disciplines, confession. Uh, I would recommend a book uh, called Celebration of Discipline by an author named Robert, uh, or not Robert, Richard Foster. And um, it will certainly be a blessing to your life uh, during this particular season as he explores those spiritual disciplines and tell you how to apply them to your life. Uh, it would definitely help you. Uh, some scriptures that I would refer you to, First um, uh, Peter uh, 5 and 7, um, casting all your cares on him because he cares for us, that you don't have to carry around that weight or that anxiety, cast all of that on Jesus Christ because God cares. And, uh, and that goes back to something I mentioned earlier. A lot of people are wondering if God really cares and if God is really concerned about what they are going through. Well, the prerequisite to you experiencing the care of God, the prerequisite to you experiencing the peace of God is that you got to cast that stuff on him. You got to release it. You got to trust him with it. That's really what that scripture is, is saying. Take it, take your hands off of it, release it to him and entrust it to him so that you can experience God's providential care, either through his comforting presence or through the hands and the feet of people that he employs, agents that he uses to be a blessing and a source of hope to your life during this season. Philippians 4, you know, 6 and 8, be anxious for nothing. And I, I'm using these scriptures intentionally because they use that word anxiety and worship, anxiety and, and worry rather. Anxiety is really high during this season, but that scripture tells us that to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, to let our requests be made known unto God. And when we do that, the promise of that scripture is that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds through Jesus Christ. Do not let anxiety and worry choke the life out of you. A part of my theology has always been that right underneath sin, sin affects us more than anything else, but right underneath sin, what affects our lives more is anxiety. And if you allow it, anxiety will choke the life out of you and infect every other system of your life that you are a part of. But the scripture says that we don't have to be anxious because we have a God who cares for us and we have to take those things to him through the spiritual discipline of prayer. And then finally, that scripture in Matthew 6 and 25, you know, I know there's been a lot of loss, not just uh, physically during this season. People have lost jobs. People have lost finances. There have been, as I mentioned, the disruption of homes and families. But that scripture in Matthew 6 and 25, you know, it tells us that we don't have to worry about, you know, what, what, what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, those basic necessities of life. Um, God will take care of us in the same way that God takes care of every other aspect of his creation, the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. If we prioritize him, if we seek him first and his righteousness, all those things will be added to us. That doesn't take away from us our personal responsibility 
But the call there is to trust God. Trust God and God will find a way to take care of you. He'll find a way to take care of you. He'll expose you to resources that are, that are able to take care of your daily needs. So those are some scriptures that I would give to people who are feeling hopeless, uh, who, are feeling, who are in despair, who are dealing with anxiety. Uh, I would direct them to those particular scriptures. Those are great scriptures, especially for right now. Thank you so much for being on today. And what is your church website and social media? Andrea, thank you for having me. And uh, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I was glad to do this. And uh, I want to say that I'm, I'm so proud of you for doing this. I'm not surprised that you're doing it at all. You've always been um, a leader. You've always been uh, very driven and uh, very conscious and concerned about what happens in the life of the church. And uh, I've always loved you and appreciated you for that. But our church information, uh, our website, uh, if you want to connect with us, is bellavistambc.org. And uh, you can find us on social media, on Facebook. Uh, if you just type in our church name, uh, Bella Vista Missionary Baptist Church, uh, you can like our page. We actually have two pages. We have a, um, a business page uh, and a, um, a regular friend page. You can follow us, send us a friend request, or you can like that page and connect with us. Uh, and you can follow us on YouTube. Uh, same handle, Bella Vista NBC, subscribe. And we have uh, media content that's made available each week. Or you can follow us on Twitter, same handle at Bella Vista NBC. And this is See the Light of Day podcast. I am Andrew Lachey. Remember to love God, love yourself, and love others. Peace. Mm-hmm.